sexual assaults across the U.S. military increased by almost 38% in 2018, according to a new report from the Pentagon. After surveying both men and women service members, the findings showed an estimated 20,500 instances of unwanted sexual contact among Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine personnel. That's up from the roughly 14,900 instances in 2016. The report defined unwanted sexual contact as ranging from groping to rape. Here are some of the key findings. The group most at risk of being assaulted was active duty female troops between the ages of 17 and 24. The Marine Corps had the highest rate of estimated sexual assaults at close to 11%, and a majority of the assault victims knew their assailants. Pentagon officials say the results will lead to changes in the handling of sexual assault prevention efforts, like making reporting more confidential and more closely monitoring character assessment during the recruiting process. In a statement Thursday, Acting Defense Secretary Pat Shanahan called the trend, quote, unacceptable, and said the department, quote, must do everything it can to eliminate sexual harassment and assault in the military. In fact, on Wednesday, Shanahan told Congress that he plans to officially make sexual harassment a standalone crime under military law. That potential move came at the recommendation of a sexual assault accountability task force earlier this week. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the fifth episode of the Subtle Thoughts Podcast. This episode is titled I Am Strong. It is um, about sexual assault, sexual harassment in the military, as well as sexism. We're also going to touch on uh, the Vanessa Guillen situation at Fort Hood, Texas. I'm joined by a former captain in the United States Air Force, Jalisa Conway. I'll let you introduce yourself to the people. Well, what? Thank you. Um, yep, Jaleesa, uh, married name Johnson, but I go by Jaleesa Conway, officially out there. Um, former Air Force captain and um, got back. I got out back in 2015, pursued my dream in TV writing, so that's what I'm doing now. But uh, I spent five years on active duty in the Air Force as a cyber warfare officer and then three years in the Air National Guard doing the same thing nice so i'm gonna i'm gonna make note right now uh if you listen to her she said she did her time got out and pursued her dreams a lot of people say they're gonna get out and pursue their dreams and they end up going home and doing whatever and then saying i should have got back in (laughs) so big ups for that for actually pursuing your dream so the i am strong thing it was uh an army directive like way back in the day like as I was coming in around 2008, 2009, and it stands for intervene, act and motivate. So it was the army's way of combating sexual assault way back in the day. And obviously we are still at a at an impasse in correcting the issues regarding, regarding sexual assault, sexual harassment, as well as sexism throughout the military, not only in the army. We've all saw what, what transpired at Fort Hood and it's 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 crazy it's a mess i don't even know how you how you can begin to to fix that that situation what are your thoughts on that yeah i would say it's definitely not just a fort hood problem or even an army problem i'd say it's across the board in the military and then i mean you can even take it to the civilian world which in some cases can be even worse if you don't have a company like the military has done to try to put some type of sexual assault uh, prevention and response out there 
I mean, it's just, it's a, a battle that's ongoing. Um, just like all the other battles, social battles we're fighting. Yeah, yeah, true. So touching back on, on, on Fort, Fort Hood yep. and the craziness that has gone on there, like this isn't the first big incident for Fort Hood, uh, Fort Hood and relating to sharp sexual harassment and uh, treatment of, of females. So with her situation, there was reported, well, I don't know if she actually reported it or just told it to her family about uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment. I believe she, she had just endured. told her family. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, and even with that, like a lot of people are afraid to report it. And I, I could definitely understand it in Fort Hood because they have one of the, the Sarks, one of the people who are supposed to be helping you uh, in regards to sexual harassment and sexual assault. When you report that case, he was actually running. I think it was like a, a, a pimp ring or something like that down there. Wow. Like back. Yeah. And I, I just looked at him like, and he was a sergeant first class. So your senior NCOs, I'm a sergeant first class. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand how you get up that high and and you have soldiers that trust you and they they're trusting you with their safety and to help guide their careers and you you violate that that trust. I oh, could I, never I, imagine doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'll, I'll one up you and give you one more. The IG at my base when I was stationed at Aviano, the IG, the Inspector General, who's supposed to be the person making sure like we do the right things in the military that like the person who's supposed to investigate when this stuff comes up a lieutenant colonel was brought up on charges of sexual assault convicted by a jury of his peers by colonels um and then it was overturned by the third air force commander that's crazy yeah a lieutenant colonel so like i mean there's a definitely a problem. And that was only a couple of years. That was when I was in Aviano. So back in what, 2012, 2013, that happened. Yeah. It's crazy. And for us, that's that's the equivalent of your battalion commander. So like, how do you how do you come out and, and express what's happening to you when you have you don't know where the snakes are in the grass? Basically. Right. Because right. we're I all just, wearing the same uniform. Right. Yeah, we're all yeah. espousing the same values. But you don't know who's actually following those values and who True. isn't because they're not, there's no sign that says, hey, I'm a rapist or, hey, exactly. I'm going to, you know, make a joke about you in front of the entire uh, entire flight. Like, you, know, you only know when it happens, which is the terrible part. Yeah. So my background as far as because we have additional duties as Sharp, EO and all that stuff, MRT, Master Resiliency Training. Uh, mm-hmm. My background is as as the equal opportunity NCO or equal opportunity leader in the company. So I, we we work with Sharp, kinda, but not really. Sharp is its own lane, so you can't you can be uh, you can be qualified in both, but you can't do the duties at the same time. So if I'm doing EO and I'm qualified as a uh, the Sharp rep, I can't be the Sharp rep as well. So I'm not privy to all of the Sharp incidents that mm-hmm. go on so I, I don't really have like insider knowledge on that and in my experience I've, I've had female soldiers I went my first four years at my first duty station in an all-male platoon never had a female soldier I had one female in my platoon when I was in AIT so that was that was my extent coming into the military and then I got my first female soldier and like right when we got her when we when we knew we were getting her 
my platoon sergeant at the time, and I, I spoke about this on on the Prelude episode. He called everybody in, had a big old meeting, and it's like, hey, we're getting this female. And then he went on his tirade about uh, the experience that he's had with females in the past, and uh, they caused trouble and this, that, and the third. And I'm sitting there like, oh, you're the you're the platoon sergeant, like you're the you're the leader of this formation. And side note. I always want to put this out there. This was not my first platoon sergeant. This was my second platoon sergeant. And as <laughs> I said in the in the prelude, if it was my first platoon sergeant, he is now a sergeant major. And I will say his name because he's one of the best platoon sergeants I've ever had. Sergeant Major Gunther. Mm-hmm. If he was there, I think it, I know, I'm not going to say I think, I know the situation would have been handled totally different, but he was not there. He was moving on to better and brighter pastures. But, um, the current the platoon sergeant that that handled the situation i won't put his name out there i just you know let him live in his truth right um he he brought us in there and he's doing this spiel then he looks at me and i don't know why everybody always does this to me when i come to a new unit they always say i'm putting you with this group or that group because you look like you can handle i guess it's the big black guy vibe that i give off i don't know yeah but uh (laughs) He's like, I'm gonna put her with you because you, I think you can handle it and this, that, and the third. And I'm just like, okay, well, you just started this off all wrong. And I was, right. I was the newly promoted sergeant. I think I had about a year under my belt. I think when she came, and I'm just like, well, you've already put me behind the eight ball because now you've you've laid the groundwork for everyone to look at her sideways when he when mm-hmm. she gets here. And when she got there, I didn't have any issues with her. I had no issues with her. She came there. She was ready to learn. She was ready to work. She was ready to to do her part. And um, like I said, she had prior experience because she used to be a teacher. If she hears this, she's on my Facebook. She might hear it. Um, she was a prior teacher. So she had and she was she was grown. She was an adult. She wasn't like a 19 year old kid coming out of high school. Right. <laughs> How do you prejudge her? So when I got her, it was a clean slate. And uh, luckily, I had another song first class. He's now a warrant officer, one of the most respected NCOs that I've ever had. You know, I pull him to the side. I'm like, this isn't right. Like the whole initial bringing her into into the fold, what he just did wasn't right. Now I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. How do I, you know, fix this? He's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. We'll handle it. I'll, I'll deal with it the way that I deal with it. I said, all right, cool. And we got her and it was fine at first. We had two bathrooms in the uh, hangar the female bathroom of course and the male bathroom well we didn't have any females so the higher ups would wash and shower in the female bathroom and the riffraff yeah all us <laughs> joes with, with, <laughs> we would do it in the male bathroom yeah. so when she got there it was still going on and she voiced her opinion about it and i was like you know what you're right that's a problem so you know i went to the platoon sergeant at the time i was like hey she's feeling this way and basically she's right we got a female now so you guys can't you know be in her you know bathroom doing whatever you do so she can go to the bathroom yes exactly (laughs) he's like oh she wants special treatment blah 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 i'm like no like you just took that the completely wrong way right i got two bathrooms yeah (laughs) she just wants one So I had to go to the other uh, song first class and, and luckily he he was able to, to quell that situation. And um, I didn't have a I never had a real issue with her 
until later on we kind of had a falling out but you know that's neither here nor there but as far as her work ethic at the time it was it was it was amazing like she was the only person in my squad at the time that i could just say hey go up to s1 or go up to battalion or brigade or whatever and handle this and she would go there and she would handle it she would get it done she wasn't intimidated by anybody that was higher ranking she was she was my go-to so i don't it it boggles my mind when when people have this this preconceived notion about females in the military and their ability to get the job done absolutely but think about it she knows what she can do coming in and i'm sure she felt the climate um because you know even though that uh, you said it was a second platoon sergeant mm-hmm. okay even though he probably didn't say any of this to her face like that dictates how leadership and then how probably the other soldiers then kind of acted around her um like just waiting for her to screw up or mess up or do something at any moment um but imagine if you were i mean wh- what was the age of the youngest guy in your in your oh, uh, man at that time it was probably like 19 maybe 20 19. for sure so imagine a 19 year old coming from you know wherever in the country and say he also didn't grow up say he grew up thinking similar things to that second platoon sergeant and so then he comes into the military he's proud to serve and then he gets this briefing from the second platoon sergeant who either confirms what he already knows or what he thinks he knows about women especially women in the military or it could be the opposite where a kid comes in he doesn't know anything about females in the military and then you have this guy starting giving him this perspective that is an incorrect perspective like you said it's, it's unfair it's not we're supposed to be a meritocracy then why is he already perceiving her and judging her before she's come in to do the hard work and that's just i mean that's what we're battling in this problem we're we're battling people's preconceived notions and like you said as a big black man you come they they have preconceived notions about you um as a short black woman that <laughs> they had preconceived <laughs> notions about me like people come in with their thoughts and then it's when they cl- they let their thoughts cloud their actions and their behaviors towards someone else um and so i i guarantee you she she felt it she felt the tenseness um especially when you're the only one um cuz i've been the only one in a lot of rooms whether i was the only female the only um uh, person of color uh, what have you and it's uncomfortable and there's no one else that looks like you cuz you're right you can't tell who's going to be my ally and who's going to be my enemy um and we shouldn't have that as like soldiers as airmen as marines as um as sailors like we should be one fighting force but unfortunately we come from all different work walks of life and all different prejudices and biases and like honestly like shitty ways of thinking about each other and um those people are told hey here's your battle buddy be on their side and I mean you're got you got to get over 18 19 20 years worth of preconceived notions and yeah. how they grew up and it's going to it takes more than just one like one sharp or sapper briefing cuz uh, we called it sapper in the air force um it's going to take more than a briefing more than just a one incident where you're like oh that was a cool chick to then get over those years of ingrained thoughts um which are negative unfortunately exactly I think sure. I think what also helped her out was at that point everybody knew that platoon sergeant number 2 was garbage. 
For sure. So I think that that really helped her. But if it was my first platoon sergeant who would have said that, she would have had a time. She would have had Absolutely. a time. Yeah. Yep. But the if second platoon sergeant, yeah, he didn't. Yep. He didn't really have the respect of the soldiers. So it kind of went in their ear and and out the other, like whatever, because we already know you're hot garbage. But my first sure. one, yeah, if he would have said it, I don't think she would have. I think she would have had hell straight out the gate straight out the gate absolutely so like like let's talk about that like how important leadership is when you're discussing like how we can change this climate um because i don't know if you've seen the documentary the invisible war have you seen that okay great documentary it's actually about this very topic it's about um sexual assault in the military and um and of course most of the victims are female but they actually also interview um, male sexual assault victims in the military because if you look at the numbers men are actually assault, uh, sexually assaulted in the military at higher numbers than females it's just percentage wise like yeah. you know, like uh, females just one in four versus one in seven for men um, and that's where that comes from but um, if you watch the documentary a lot of the victims said uh, yes, the, the assault was bad, and of course, that's going to be a thing that changes them. What actually hurt them the most was how their leadership responded when they mm-hmm. brought it up. It was almost like they were being assaulted all over again when leadership said, I mean, they, they brought up all the different various ways that they got pushed back or ignored or the, hey, don't bring any problems to the unit. Just focus on your work. Hey, what did you do? Like, why, why did you make him do this? Um, hey, we don't want to air our, 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 our squad's dirty laundry out there. So, like, don't say anything. I mean, the whole gamut. Or even the, yeah, I'll look into it and then nothing happens. So, mm-hmm. I mean, leadership and how officers and NCOs respond to this um, has a lot of effect on how, I mean, where we're going climate-wise. Um, yeah. For sure. Me, me being in my position, like even when I was first coming up, I think you being in and then your sister being in, both your sisters eventually being in, I think that had an impact on me because when I had female soldiers and and I think of all the things that, that they could possibly go through or things that could possibly happen to them, I'm like, well, how would I react if it happened to one of y'all? So. Mm-hmm. My whole thing was, and I'm I'm overprotective of my soldiers. That's just how I am. So if one of my female soldiers were to come to me and say, or even my male soldiers were to come to me and say, hey, pull me to the side, X, Y, and Z happened. Okay, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to um, do you want to go restricted? Do you want to go unrestricted? And if you want to go unrestricted and you want to come out guns a blazing, hey, we we riding together. We, right. I'm walking you up to the commander or to the sharp or the sark or whoever, and we're we're handling it. That was that's that was my or that is my mindset. I haven't had to deal with that in my my platoon or when I was a squad leader, uh, and I had my my female soldiers. I've, I've never had to deal with that, thankfully. And when I think about it, and when I look back on it, I'm like, did I never have to deal with it because it never happened or because they just weren't comfortable bringing it up? So that's one of the things that you know, is always at the forefront of my mind when I when I uh, sit in sharp briefings and, and this, that, and the third. I'm sitting in the back. I'm listening, of course, as best I can. And I'm looking at my soldiers and their, their facial reactions to, you know, 
the information that's being put out or the situation that's being described or, or something like that, trying to pick up on on something that I might not have uh, been able to pick up on because I had a sergeant major and uh, we were in a sharp brief and, you know, they were doing their spill and that's the army's thing, sharp. We were doing their, they were doing their spill and then he went up there and he started talking about when uh, he was a NCO in the motor pool and how he knew it never happened in his formation and this, that, and third and blah, 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 until one of his soldiers came out and said it. And he was like, he w- he'll never forget that day because he felt like he failed that soldier. He felt like he didn't provide her with the climate to, or or the trustworthiness or whatever to be able to come up to him and, and express that. So that, that gets, I don't want to say it gets to me because it doesn't really get to me, but it's always in the back of my mind has anything happened and they've just not been able to come up to me because they feel some type of way. Absolutely. I mean, and then that's a consideration because if we want to take it back to, uh, well, first I'll, I'll give a good story and then we'll take it back to Vanessa. But, um, so at my first duty station, which was Aviano air base in Italy, best assignment, one of the best assignments I had, I had a, a wonderful flight commander who was my first flight commander. He was a captain at the time, captain Emmanuel Matos. Um, shout out to him, but he's a uh, lieutenant colonel now. Um, so he, the first, very first lesson that he taught me, day one, was, all right, we're going to go around to each of the work centers. And I'm like, oh, but you got like 100 emails. Like, you don't want to answer that first? Or we don't want to like do this briefing with the commander? He's like, nope. We go to each work center every morning and you talk to at least one of your um, airmen. And like legit sit down and have like a good two minutes with him or her and like see where they're at. Don't ask them about work. Ask them about what's going on like at home or ask them like, hey, are you um, doing your degree? Are you trying to get your degree? Like ask them a personal thing about themselves. And so every morning for the first hour of the day, that's what we would do. We would go to each and every single work center. Um, And of course, we can talk to everybody all the time, but they like started to get used to us and they knew all right, they're gonna ask somebody else a question now. And we never made it weird. Um, I mean, of course, I'm sure they thought it was, but eventually they like actually expected us and they were like, oh, LT is coming and Captain's coming. Like, yeah, like let's have a moment, let's have a break. And it's just getting to know your people. Like you have to know, you can have 150 people under you, but you better know each and every single one of them, what their goals are, what their passions are, and then what they're dealing with in their personal life. Like, are they on base? Do they live in the dorms or they do, do they live at home? Are they married? Do they have kids? Like all this stuff is going to have an effect on how they, how they best serve. Right. And so like what you said, you're like, I, I hope I established that rapport enough for them to come up to me and, and tell me anything, like whether it's sexual assault or whether it's like, Hey, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Hey, I'm just having a really bad day. Like you hope that they talk to you. Um, And that was the same thing that we were building. And that's a sign of good leadership. Bad leadership is when you have no idea what's happening in your unit. And I, of course, I'm not in their shoes. I don't know what was going on or what was being done. But like part of me believes Vanessa's leadership failed her. Yeah. How do you have a troop who's gone for two months? Gone. And you list her as AWOL what I, I believe that they listed her as AWOL um, and not like not have, maybe they had an inkling, I don't know. Like, again, I know there was an investigation and they were going through the motions, but like as a leader, like 
how has your troop yeah. gone for two months? And she's, I don't like you explain to me the army process. Cause if we had, we had one troop in Aviano, we had one troop who went missing, um, or at least he, he didn't show up on time. And mm-hmm. the minute he didn't show up on time, we were at his dorm, knocking on the door. Yo, where are you? Couldn't find him at his dorm. Ended up finding him at a friend's dorm because he had gotten drunk the night before. Um, and he ended up passing out on his friend's couch um, who, who had worked in a different work center. So we you know, eventually found him. But talk to who he worked with, talk to his friends to figure out where is this kid. And we didn't stop, like the entire day stopped until we found him. And that was a day. He was yeah. like missing for less than two hours, but it was a, a whole search. How has she gone for two months and nothing is like, like where's leadership in that? Yeah, that 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 was that was mind boggling to me because every morning, like I said in uh in the in the prelude episode, you give uh you go to formation. That's the whole point of first formation. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks it's to come out there and do PT and all that stuff. No, PT is important, but the you can do PT anywhere. You literally can do PT anywhere. Yeah, you need an outside or an inside. Yeah, Yeah, like literally. (laughs) The whole point of first formation is accountability. Making sure you have all your soldiers, especially after like long weekends, making sure everybody's here. Nobody's in jail. Nobody's deceased. Nothing crazy went on. You know, that's the whole point of it. So and like I said in the other one, you give that report, 27 assigned. 25 present uh one in route and one out of ranks and as soon as you say out of ranks they're like all right find that soldier see me after formation who is it first they're asking who is it you give them the name all right find that soldier and you have some people because I've, I've had a couple people that just couldn't get right and first sergeant's like all right find them let me know when you get them cool got you first sergeant. and then like i've never had anybody just disappear just not come like i said if we're doing pt and i don't have that soldier my time at pt is spent looking for that soldier as a platoon sergeant calling everybody calling whoever it is to find out where that soldier is and if i don't have that soldier by the end of pt okay flags are going up like yep where is he get x y and z call his house go to his house knock on the door mm-hmm. and then um that's when you start checking because i had i had one nco she was always od with it always od like somebody's not showing up okay let's give it some time first she's like i i'm calling the hospitals and i'm i'm doing this i'm like slow down let's not (laughs) alarm everybody right right now it's not even been an hour slow your roll if we can't find this person after pt all right now we're sending somebody to their house if they're not answering at their door okay now we're gonna check everything and now we're gonna send the alarms up because my my big thing is i want to handle it at my level if I'm pushing something up to the uh, company level, the first sergeant and the commander, there's a problem. And definitely if it's going up higher than them, there's a big problem. And then eyes come into your formation. So I'm all about handling things at the lowest level. So if I was her platoon sergeant, oh, I'm taking a, a I'm taking a squad size element and we are canvassing everywhere she was, who talked to her, who yeah. her friends are. We're, we're, we're finding out where she is. Right, because so her friends are going to tell you. Yeah, her friends are going to be like, uh, "No, Vanessa wouldn't go AWOL. She loved the military." Or, "Hey, Vanessa was thinking about leaving." Like, the people around you that you hang out with are going to tell you so much about that person. Like, no one would if you went to my friends and asked, "Hey, did Jalisa just leave? Did she just 
did she decide she didn't want to do this anymore? Every single one of my friends would be like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> that's insane. No. What are you talking yep. about? Go find her. Um, so like, and again, that, I mean, let's talk about Fort Hood. <laughs> oh, uh, I found an article and this is Military Justice for All, which, you know, is not an official, um, official publication, but um, just a military site. So they got this, I guess it was Washington, D.C. veterans presentation on the current status of forces at Fort Hood in Texas, um, dated December 12th. 2017 they actually cite their sources they actually have quite a bit of sources but from 2016 to present there have been 145 deaths at Fort Hood of service members of those 145 133 were stateside so the other ones were having deployed um, but 133 stateside deaths one homicide on post that's Vanessa 13 homicides off post seven of those are unsolved yep that's killeen everybody 20, knows it, it, right 20 deaths army, by suicide yeah 20 deaths army, by suicide we we it's it's notorious like in the army people know like you're going to for her yeah i'm going to for hood hey killeen's rough stay out of that, there that's crazy it's like rough like i know we can't blame it all on leadership but leadership where are you mm-hmm because you know there's a problem you You know know there's there's a problem problem. why aren't you like sounding those red like those red alarms red flags like you can't be like well and the surrounding area is garbage um every base has a garbage surrounding area unless you're like (laughs) unless you're in italy (laughs) you know unless you're in a beautiful (laughs) or you're in like japan like of course it's like we have our military bases are in the hood for a reason it's low property think, values <laughs> but still the, like um, leadership come on like where are you yeah. at the the excuse that they that that one would try to throw out there is well i try to get to know my soldiers and they just don't open up and that's i call bullshit on that because i have yep. soldiers that don't open up to me mm-hmm. i have soldiers that won't tell me a thing but i have i have a, i've built enough bonds with enough soldiers in my platoon that i could find out just about anything i want about any soldier in a platoon because i go up to them i'm like Hey, so you want to talk about X, Y, and Z? And they gave me that look like, how do you know? Don't worry about how I know. Just know that I know. Absolutely. So and then that doesn't you mean you stop trying. Yeah. You right? don't have to know like, everybody. You you yep. just have to know enough people to get the information information that you want when there's a problem with one of your soldiers so that you can help fix that problem. Because even if they don't think you care, you should care. I care about all of my soldiers. Do I like all of my soldiers? No, I'm going to be honest not. about that. I don't <laughs> like all of my soldiers, yeah. but I legitimately care about each and every one of them. Right. And that's the sign of good leadership. And the sign of bad leadership is when things start falling apart. Exactly. And I think we're, not only are we seeing the culture of um, just the culture of harassment in general, whether sexual or not um, in the military, I think we're also seeing, I mean, we're just seeing examples of bad leadership and that can tear a base, a unit, a a flight, a squad, a platoon apart is bad leadership, and and we need we need good leadership if we have any chance of solving this problem or at least getting it to a. Um, and it, I mean, there are no acceptable levels, but if we want to make it better, make it a better climate in the military, then leadership. It, I mean, it starts with leadership. It starts top down. It just does. So I have. The Department of Defense fiscal year 2019 annual report Mm -hmm. on this. And one thing to note about it is 
they did not survey the active duty force. I don't know why. Why? They did not do it. I, That's the force you want to survey. Exactly. So they're <laughs> saying that they're going to come around and, and do it again um, for fiscal year, I think, 20. Uh-huh. But for fiscal year 18, they did not survey the active duty force. But it showed that uh, it has increased for women, primarily ages 17 to 24. And the prevalence for uh, males have remained unchanged. So it's an increase by 3%. And it's been steadily increasing. Steadily increasing. And um, all these different um, programs from every every force, the Army, the Air Force. And this this survey is everybody. So everybody has there's the DOD survey. Then everybody has their, their piece. The Navy, the Army, the Air Force, and the National Guard. All of them have their piece. And nobody is reporting a downward trend. Not one. I don't I don't understand it. Like part of it for me is. So what they attribute that to the three percent rise is that people are more comfortable reporting. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to say that I buy that. People are just people just can't keep the, their hands to themselves. And yeah. every year we have um, the the sharp runs for the army and. We have the the month of awareness and all this other stuff. And every time I do that sharp run, I, I joke about it, but I'm not joking about it. I always say if I, cause I hate running in formation. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Singing songs and all that crap. I hate it. <laughs> and I'm, before we get, before we start running, I always say, if I ever see somebody with my eyes sexually assault somebody, there's not going to be an investigation. I'm just going to punch you in the face because I'm just going to revert back to me having to run these five miles in formation. And I, I'm joking. It's, it's funny. Everybody's laughing. But like a part of me is dead serious because I hate Absolutely. it. I hate it. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I do believe some people are a little bit more comfortable reporting only because the information is so readily out there. And now commanders know, I mean, they know what they're supposed to do. Do they all do it? No, but... Um, at least because of the amount of, of sharp and sapper training, people can regurgitate, oh, these are the steps you're supposed to take. So I do believe there's a little bit of an increase to report it. Is that the, the total, the totality of the 3%? No. I mean, you're also probably seeing, um, again, like, I don't think we've solved the root cause, which is climates where people feel comfortable. Yeah. Right? Climates where people feel comfortable doing that. Um, and not just that, but you know, I've had the, the the sapper training where the person leading it is kind of because it's awkward for everyone um, and people and no one wants to do it because it takes time out of your workday. Um, the person leading it doesn't treat it seriously. And so the unit doesn't treat it seriously. I've seen that firsthand. Um, and I mean, you just don't get people taking it seriously so that they're not on the lookout. They're like, oh, this is some crappy stuff that we have to do, especially if you're not seeing it. Um, a lot of men and women who haven't who haven't had it happen directly to them are like, oh, well, I think it's out, blown out of proportion. Or, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard like, hey, there's a lot of false reports too. I mean, they do the studies on that. False reporting is uh, a, a small, small percentage of actual sexual assaults. Um, but I've heard that 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 saying so many times. Don't don't get me wrong. I know like there are some women who have tried to use that as 
um, revenge against someone. But again, that's a very, very small percentage. Small. But that's something you're combating. You have to combat that thought process that, uh, oh, this could be a false report. Or, oh, you're just setting up a good guy. Um, especially if that person, like you said, you guys knew that second platoon sergeant wasn't shit. But <laughs> garbage. Um, you, garbage. Yeah, garbage, right. And so garbage. he had no <laughs> garbage. He had no respect. But imagine if, if he was your star. Like you said, if he was the first guy. If he was yeah. like the guy who who always aces his PC test or the guy who's just super charming or the guy who's like super ho ho. Like mm-hmm. that's a harder person to then go, oh, he would never sexual assault sexually assault someone. He would never yeah. harass someone. And like that's mm-hmm. just not true. But that's what you're battling. Um you're just you're battling all of those things. And so um and again if the climate if leadership doesn't set a climate to where one people feel comfortable and two people know zero tolerance then when they recognize it um which is also a problem of when people recognize what counts as sexual harassment or assault when it happens people just don't want they just don't bring it up exactly i remember yeah. back in i don't know the statistics now because it was like broken down by ranks a while back and um the people that were getting hemmed up left and right were staff sergeants and mm-hmm. me as a staff sergeant I, when i get my my i had one of my female soldiers that came in and she was young she was a youngin came into the army this was like her first taste of i guess freedom or whatever right and Adult life. she kind of yeah she kind of was mm-hmm. going off the rails when she you know first came and i had to pull her to the side and i was like you know i let her know like this is what it is like you're out here you're doing x y and z you can seriously get hemmed up and the person that's probably going to hem you up is the person wearing this rank and it was i was a staff sergeant at the time and i, I just i was just putting it out there like because that's another thing that i don't think the programs do or the people teaching the programs they just want to teach by the book yeah. so when i do because i'm the eo guy so when i do my eo program you know i make sure i cover how to report and i make sure to cover you know what's in the regulation the stuff that i have to go over i make sure i do all that and like I said, I, I shut the PowerPoint off or I close the laptop and then I talk to them real. I give them, I talk to them how it is. And I think people respond more to that because now it's like when you're, when you're reading the PowerPoint and all that crap, people are having trouble staying awake and yep. they're dozing off and they're yeah, doing they all blank out. crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you close that, when you close that up and you start, I, I'm like, all right, I'm talking to y'all real now. This is not Sergeant First Class Graham. This is this is fucking and I my first name. This is me talking to you. And I start I throw in some cuss words because I get real passionate. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I know you're not supposed <laughs> to, but I get real passionate about well, that. You start, real. You yeah, real. I start cussing <laughs> and stuff. And once you throw a couple couple F bombs in, in yep. there, people eyes there. <laughs> it is what it is. They're like, it that's is. not professional, but you know, their eyes open up, they sit at attention and they're they're engaged now. Yeah. And they understand the seriousness of it. I told them I had a a recent one with all the stuff going on and it's like i told my commander i was like understand it's a it's a hard topic to talk about but if you got people in leadership positions that's why you're in a leadership position so don't wear your rank when it's convenient you need to wear your rank all the time and i, I let him know like every commander and platoon leadership company leadership or whatever that hasn't addressed their formation right now you're already behind the curve because i talked mm-hmm. to my guys and my gals it's not as soon as it started happening but like when stuff started getting really really bad i was like hey this is what it is 
is it affecting anybody like is your family out there protesting is is your family member a cop or or what's the deal let me know so that we can try to help you out and i had to let them know like i know you might feel a certain way but remember what you do and the ethics and the values that you're supposed to uphold in the uniform that you wear say what you say but be mindful of 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 the consequences that can happen to you like you're supposed to be out there educating people because you you might be from the backwoods of North Carolina, but you're working with this 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 black guy from New York or whatever. Or you might be from the inner city in New York, but you're working with this white boy from from West Bumfuck, and you know how he feels about you, and yeah. he knows how you feel about him. You you know this, so you know everybody's not like what's being portrayed. So don't get yourself caught up. But at the same time, like if you need guidance, if you want to discuss what's going on. Let's talk about it. And with the leadership, they waited a, a while before yeah. that happened. That and was going to be my thing. That like, yeah. how many you? That was great that you did that. How many units aren't? Exactly. I how went around talking to people. Silence, where they just let people steam and stew and like continue to be hurt um, or continue exactly. to, to be angry. Like, yep. how many units just let their people just do whatever they do? Um, yeah, I went around talking to some of the soldiers. I just said, hey, has your leadership talked to you about it? Nope, they don't give a shit. Damn. And what can I say that I can't say, well, you know, maybe they're just... No, nah, <laughs> if they haven't talked to you by now, you're right. They don't give a shit. I'm Absolutely, sorry. yeah. So, and then crazy. you I mean, let that happen for every incident where leadership says nothing. Um, then you get a young woman or a young man going... My leadership don't give a shit. They don't care. Mm-hmm. So why why should I tell them that this thing happened to me? Why should I bring it up to them? And that's probably what Vanessa was thinking. I don't have a leadership that has my back. She probably felt like she didn't have anyone to go to in her chain of command. And that's a problem. I think, um, and in this report, it also says um, the people that have the most influence, and I, I tell my, my soldiers this a lot, the, the senior E4s, so for us specialists to E6 is staff sergeant. So for the Air Force was that senior airmen and tech sergeants. Yep. Yeah. It says that they have the most influence because they're always there. They're the ones that are there with the soldiers. And I, I tell my NCOs, especially my my um, sergeants, my E5s all the time, because it was broken down to me in a, in a little NCO meeting at my second unit. The first sergeants got on a tirade and I was kind of feeling it. They was, they was going in. But yeah. he's like, you, you E5s, you, you sergeants, you're where the, the rubber meets the road. You, you have the most influence on these soldiers because you're out there hands on doing the work with them and, and inspecting them and, and training them. And then they said the, the E6s, the staff sergeants, you're next up, but you have one foot in and one foot out the door. So I, I think there's a lot of truth to that as far as the, the E4s and the E6s, because you're in the same age range. Yep. Um, more so than the Sarfers class, who's like oh. 12, 13, 14 <laughs> years in. Like, right? you're a little bit older. <laughs> Me, I, I made it at like 11, 11 years. I, I think I made the list at 10 years, but I had to wait. Yeah. To fulfill all you're the still old, though. You're still but old. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still old, especially because I came in a little, a little later. But that 21, 22 year old is going to relate more to the 20, three 24 25 year old then they are going to relate to the now 35 year old yeah god damn that's old <laughs> the, the, it's okay the it's okay don't think about it. don't yeah think about it. yeah 
Look, you look young. You got good jeans. <laughs> it depends on what I'm wearing. Apparently, sometimes I look older. Sometimes I look my age. So, it is what it is. I've I've accepted it. That's but good. yeah, they, there's there's great, and I try to tell my my junior NCOs like, you have more influence. You should have more influence than me. If I have more influence on the soldiers, as far as day to day, there's a problem. That means you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Because at the end of the day, the e the the sergeants, the senior specialists, the staff sergeants, they're what's running the army. I'm just maintaining right now. My time is about to my time's about to set. I mean, I still got like eight more years to go, but my time's still about to set. Like you guys are the ones that are coming up. You guys are the ones that are going to be the future leaders. Yep. So you need to understand this isn't going to I'm my generation is going to stop this. Your generation is the one that's going to stop this. Your generation is the one that's going to say enough. Enough is enough. For sure. And by, by the report, people people are saying that we're on the right track because of the new the new uh the influx of new soldiers coming in the new leadership that's coming in it's not that old school leadership like was it the air force captain that came out and said uh about the vanessa Gian situation like oh she yeah knew she, she was, was a, yeah she was a colonel yeah that was crazy she was, was but like, that's that old school God. mentality that's that because exactly. here's the thing she probably went through it she mm-hmm. was probably sexually harassed when she was coming up, right? Because she came up through what the de- Desert Storm, the beginning of yeah. the Iraq War. It, like if she stayed in, yeah, probably the middle and in, in, in going into the um, towards the end of the Iraq, not in because we're still in it. But like she came in probably through that end of Desert Storm, coming up on OEF, um, and like depending on what career field she's in, she probably got it just as 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 probably as as much as women do today or probably more than women do today but like some women internalize it where it's like this is just the cost to to be in the military right this is the cost you have to bear like i just have to to deal with my commander saying nice ass in that uniform or like i have to deal with the jokes or i have to deal with like the pats you know touching in places that you're not supposed to or or what have you and so there's some women especially i I believe of the older generation where like that's ingrained where it's just like this is the price i have to pay if i want to serve in the military and like that's also um that's also a thought that we have to combat like Mm -hmm. because she was a colonel like she's retired now teaching but she was in charge of troops at one point in the time and with the same probably the same mentality and like how how did the female troops or male troops who had this stuff happen to them under her feel? Probably not mm-hmm. comfortable coming to her because she would have told them to just suck it up and deal with it. And again, it, it's a culture change. Yeah, like it's it's punishment and it's a culture change. Especially yeah. for for males. So if you're a male in the military, testosterone everywhere. Yep. Like how do you come out and report that XYZ has happened to you? And with what surprised me when I was coming up back in my younger days when I was a, a PFC a specialist and they had these classes on it we had somebody so at Fort Bragg we had um, our barracks you could just get in out of our barracks mm-hmm. the barracks for the other unit you had to have a key to get in so if you didn't have a key you couldn't get in someone had to let you in yeah. and um, somebody actually raped somebody in the barracks it was a guy that raped another guy yeah. And when I do barracks checks and people have their rooms unlocked and their doors propped open, I'm like, don't do that. You might know everybody in the company, but you don't know everybody in the battalion. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So everybody in the battalion has access to any floor that they want to. Somebody could just come in here, you're intoxicated or whatever, and next thing you know, you know, it's X, Y, and Z is happening to you. It's pound town in your room. And yep. you didn't want that to happen because you let you you've left your door unlocked. And I think a lot of males don't think that it happens male on male. But like I said, what shocked me was when I heard what was happening in infantry units. So I know somebody's in infantry, they're gonna say, no, blah, blah, blah. Nah, bruh, it's happened. Yeah. Infantry men go outside the wire. It happened a lot downrange. You go out downrange, you're outside the wire like days at a time. And I've heard that shit happens shit happens now i'm not an infantry so i can't attest yeah, to that i was about to say i was like but, what happened yeah I heard, like, i've i've heard that people people are getting you know people get raped infantry men yeah. get raped by fellow infantrymen and i can believe it because of what goes on in the army like even jokingly so i definitely can believe that it, it's happened it's happened to a couple people who are you gonna tell right at the end of the day who are you gonna tell right yeah you're not gonna tell a soul it no happened one. you're gonna you're gonna roll with it you're gonna yeah. but whether whether it's penetration or whether it's something else, you're gonna roll with it because first of all, you're thinking who's gonna listen to me. Mm-hmm. Number two, if someone does listen to me, is it gonna get out? And that's another problem. People don't hold confidentiality. People stuff gets out. I can attest to that yeah. being in my role. I've heard X Y Z has happened with X Y Z soldier. It has gotten out. And I'm just like, how are you gonna tell you how who's spreading this? My thing is when I when I have an issue with a soldier and I bring it to the command, I'm like, I do not want this to get out because I don't want to get my soldier's business being put on front street throughout the command. But this is happening. And if it gets out, I know how it leaked. And I'm definitely I'm not shy. I'm not shy about anything. I will go to the commander's office and I will like, hey, I got a problem with X, Y and Z commander and first sergeant. This is my problem. And this is how it needs to get addressed. I have no problem doing that because at the end of the day, they put their uniform on the same way I put my uniform on. We're both grown, grown adults, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so. and a lot of you know sometimes it leaks from leadership, and like that's mm-hmm. again like you know, yeah, I was an officer, so I just I really like you know from the female perspective, of course, but then just from the leadership perspective because they like especially as an NCO and as an officer, like they, they trust on you, they trust in you and they rely on you to do the right things and to make the right decisions. And so many times in these cases, um, I mean, so many times in these cases, like it, it, you trace it back to like, why did this occur or where did we fail? And nine times out of 10, it's also a failure of leadership in addition to a crime committed by a troop on another troop. Mm-hmm. Like going forward, I think the way to fi- well, the number one way to fix it is everybody doing what they're supposed to do and living up to the the values of whatever service they're in. That's number one. If everybody right. just lived up to those actual values and creeds and all this other stuff that everybody can rattle off with no problem, we wouldn't have these issues. But I think another thing is um, reporting. So. Mm-hmm. What what people don't know is if you report it to your chain of command, to your NCO, and nothing's getting done, they just stop there. Keep making noise. Somebody's going to hear you. Mm-hmm. If if your platoon leadership isn't handling it, use the open door policy. Go above. Every And I tell people this in my, uh, my EO briefings. Every commander on your installation 
has an open door policy from the company commander to the battalion commander to the brigade commander to the division commander to the garrison commander everybody has an open door policy and you can use that open door policy so if you're not getting what you want from your company commander go to battalion if battalion's not giving it to you keep taking it higher if mm-hmm. you're if nobody in that chain of command is giving it to you go to ig go outside of your chain of command go to another chain of command somebody's gonna listen to you yeah. somebody's gonna take your your uh your complaint seriously and i think that's that's where a lot of people get lost if it dies at the company and then it dies at battalion then i'm just gonna stop because no one cares someone cares because yeah. um go ahead I was just saying, now let me ask you this. Like, there are a lot of civilian groups calling for an independent review board of civilians. What do you think about mm-hmm. that? I would definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree with that because civilians, and this is the thing about civilians, like, because I heard it uh, when I was taking one of my soldiers to uh, do something with his household stuff. Uh, the civilians were talking every day and uh, he was like, yeah, sweetie, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa. Like it, it immediately raised my antenna. Like, yeah, that's kind of walking the line. I mean, I don't know what you guys, you know, but that wouldn't. Yeah, that's grounds for something, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's grounds for. I think they get comfortable yep. because they're not in the military anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, for for civilians working on the military side, because a lot of them are ex-military. They're not in the military anymore. They're not into those strict rules or whatever. So they get a little comfortable right and they do there's not a as many restrictions on them like me i can't invite four of my soldiers out and not the other 20 plus soldiers that i have that's a no-go not right. happening nope so with, with civilians you could get away with that i think you're just like yeah we're having a barbecue at the house blah 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 blah. now everybody's there everybody's drinking and then for me i definitely can't if it's alcohol at the function i definitely gotta let the commander know so yes. hey, uh, sir or ma'am, I'm having this at my house. I've I've, I've invited every soldier under my charge, but there's going to be alcohol. And the commander could say no. All right, then it's not happening. With civilians, you can't really. You, know, you just show up at the barbecue. Everybody getting twisted off that twisted tea or whatever. And, <laughs> right. Hey, I mean, things that's happen. Where, I mean, that's where it happens a lot too. Like yeah. uh, I think a lot of people think, oh, sexual assault. Yeah, I'd stop it because they're thinking like the. You know, service member hiding in bushes, waiting to jump out when the female soldier passes by. And that's yeah. not what it's going to look like. A lot of people don't recognize it uh, when it happens. That mm-hmm. that's what it is. Like, like, like you said, everybody's getting twisted at the party. They're drinking, <laughs> that, they're drinking that jungle juice. Um, they don't know who made the jungle, who brought the jungle juice. Yeah. Um, and then that's where things start to get sideways. And like people are inebriated. Even the sober ones are kind of misreading things. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was a um, there was another case that I was um, not a part of. I was a witness for a court martial uh, for a young man who decided that he was going to um, beat one of our like fellow uh, lieutenant friends. But uh, the part that I want to bring up and like that had a bunch of issues with of itself. Court martial. We can get into to military law and. Um, how it's misapplied to a lot of situations, but yeah. um, that's a story for a different day. But one of the other witnesses was one of the females who we all hung out with. She was actually a major, so she was a little older than us, but she was a doctor, so it was kind of like she was still roughly our age. Yeah. Um, but we thought they were ha- hit her and the the perpetrator were kind of like having their own like kind of thing. We thought they were hooking up. 
uh, we would see them at party. We saw them at a party together. We were like, oh, I guess they're just having, you know, they just having their own moment. And come to find out later, he was harassing her. Like mm-hmm. she, all of his his advances were unwanted. She just she was being polite about it. So that's why we, yeah. you know, we misread the the signals. She was smiling. Um, she would pat him on his back and stuff like that. But that was her way of trying to get him away from her and not mm-hmm. making a big deal about it, not, not making yeah. a show about it. But then she said he tried to corner her in the bathroom and tried to force kiss her, like, you know, force himself, like not force himself on her, but like try to kiss her and force her to kiss him. And like, she just felt so uncomfortable. She left the party and we didn't know what it was about. We thought they were, they had a fight or something. Um, and just in that situation alone, like luckily it didn't get it, nothing, it didn't become worse than what it was, but like, look at all of us, like seemingly super smart first lieutenants, 24 years old, 25 years old, misreading a situation because like alcohol is involved or because we don't know the full picture. Like that happens mm-hmm. all the time. The the perpetrators can, they're, they're slick with it. They're low key with yeah, it. Yeah, of course. They, yep. And you throw alcohol in there and sometimes the victim can't, can't really see it because we went out um, when I was in, uh, well, in Hawaii with one of my OPLs, we were out, it was someone's going away and alcohol was involved or whatever. And uh, it was this guy that just popped up, just randomly popped up. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at my boy, one of the other NCOs and he's picking it up. We're all picking it up at this point. Right. And we see what he's doing. And um, it was one of my, my, one of my OPLs. And uh, I don't think she really picked up on it because she was, she had been drinking, but we picked up on it. Yeah. So we we had to intervene and he knew he knew what he was doing and he knew what we were doing. Yeah. So once we started intervening, he would kind of go away. And then when he saw her by herself, he would kind of like come up in there, like weasel his way in there. Then one of us would see it and we come back over there. Yeah. And it was just like, it's not happening, bro. Just go find somebody else. Go do your thing. Right. Don't let us have to like drag you through this vibe because it's. The area was real cool. The little thing that they have is like a bar and then it has volleyball courts, and basketball courts and all this other stuff. It's like, don't make us have to drag your face through the sand on this volleyball court and mess right. the whole evening up for everybody. Because <laughs> right. we're about that life right now. And I think yeah. that's another way that you can you can end it. Like, you have to start looking at people in your formation as your brother or your sister and protecting them as such. When I was a squad leader, I cared about my squad. My squad was above everything. My squad was above the company, the rest of the platoon, everybody. My squad was first. And yep. then came everybody else. So don't think you're going to ease up in here and do anything to any of my soldiers, male, female. It's not going down because I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to be on your ass. We're going to have an issue. And I've, I have no problem with going at anybody anywhere. Absolutely. But imagine if it was the opposite, too, where those guys like imagine they were the type of guys who thought like that dude and she she just had a yeah. bunch of dudes that she was in the unit with who were like that and then they encouraged him was like hey yeah yeah it go for happens. it i mean that happens. It definitely so, happens like we we gotta combat that like mm-hmm. like find a way to stop that or at least um try to try to educate and cultivate more of a, a community where people think like you and like people who like hey this is your squad mate Again, they could be from New York City and you can be from nowhere, Arkansas. Um, <laughs> but 
that is your brother and sister in arms and like you need to protect them um and if mm -hmm. we can like push that culture above the super hyper machoism above the hey like we all just trying to get laid and hang, hang out at this party above that and we can push the community and push the hey this is your brother and sister in arms you like literally when you, you take this oath you take an oath to die for them if you need to um and then that's that we need to get back to that i think the training needs to be more realistic too because it's kind of oh, sugar-coated it's, oh yeah it's, it's 100 sugar-coated yeah. it's sugar-coated and it's, it's supposed to be one size fits all but like you're right we need to have real yeah. talk um yeah, and people need cheesy. to share their real experiences like actually like have a conversation yeah. with your people and bring up that party with the jungle juice like <laughs> yeah like even my like asia asia's gone to parties like 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 in the navy it's, it's crazy <laughs> um, <laughs> he told me it's about some crazy parties and like anything can happen there anything mm -hmm. Yeah, and even with the the training, like some of the the skits are they're garbage, they're cheesy, so yes, it takes yes. away from it because you're laughing at the bad acting or mm -hmm. who would say something like that or that's yeah, it's not realistic. So it's like whatever, like it needs to be more realistic. So it makes you look around the room and be like, okay, shit, this could really be anybody in here, right? Because when you look diet. at it, it's like that's not how they're gonna act and ha ha nah. It needs to be real. It needs to to. The most realistic sharp training that I ever had, they were like, all right, we're about to talk about some real things in here. So if you get offended, feel free to step out anytime. Yeah. And they were they were going in. They were going in and everybody. But everybody was engaged, though. Right. Everybody was engaged. I think everybody got something out of it. Right. I think that's what we need to gear it towards. For sure. The Air Force was starting. By the time I got out, the Air Force was starting to do that where they stopped doing those big lecture hall type yeah. things and they started going down to small groups. So I think, yeah, we should do that. Um, but yeah, you should definitely check out The Invisible War. Um, I, I mean, we, we can show that too, because that legit gets into some people's stories. And like, I mean, it, it came out a couple, like a number of years ago, because I remember seeing that, I think it's, I saw a preview of it when I was at Aviano. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it's just, I mean, that's the real talk. And that's, I think, what we need to get to. I got a lot of years left, so I'll, I'll definitely be here for however this trend goes up or down. Yep. Hopefully yep. it goes down. So, I mean, we need more leaders like you, though. So I'm happy you're uh, you're teaching the teaching them kids. Right. I try. It's difficult. Oh, yes. It's definitely difficult. So. <laughs> All right, we're going to bring this to the close. I know you are big time, so go ahead and, and you, plug all you. your your big time <laughs> achievements and everything that's that's coming down the line for you. Oh, thank you. You know, I'll do what I can. Uh, I'll, I'll help the culture change from this end, from the TV movie <laughs> end, and then you help the culture change from within. So, what are you what are you, what are you working on right now? Um, yeah. So, I'm on nine one one Lone Star. Um, so stack on that and that'll be coming back next year for season okay. two boop, boop. Um, and then I'm developing my own projects to include one project that's about uh, ROTC so we'll oh, see bad. yeah I gotta keep it under wraps you know I gotta sell it first and then we'll okay. see All right. um, but yeah so um, since your your transition what advice would you give first of all what, what advice would you give people in the military that have, have used the military to it, the full extent and are getting out and then 
what advice would you give to people who are in the military? It's not for them. And they just want to get out and they're not even they're not working towards getting out. They're not using the the programs that are in place to to smooth that transition. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start with the second group first. Like if you figured that the military is not for you, you just put in your paperwork. Like, I mean, if you have a commitment, finish your commitment, but the day after, put in your paperwork. Because, like, the military doesn't need people who aren't in it um, mentally. Um, just, like, you're, you're wasting a good spot for someone else. Um, and, like, the, the stakes are too high for you to not be a thousand percent committed to what the military is asking you to do. So just get out. <laughs> it's really easy. It's a volunteer service. You don't have to be <laughs> Um, if you took the bonus, well, you just, just pay it back. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to do it to get second up. Um, but, um, and then once they decide that uh, for both groups, um, if you're going to get out, um, the military has blessed us with a bunch of amazing skills. And I'm talking about the intangible ones, like the calm under pressure. Like you don't realize how... <laughs> how effective military bearing is until like a cha- chaos is happening in the civilian world and they mm-hmm. all just fall apart. Um, <laughs> and then you're sitting in the corner like this isn't even that bad. Like, come on, you're not being brought, you're not being shot at. Like, calm down, don't cry. Yeah. But, um, that just uh, the diligence, the um, the military teaching you how to like go after and solve a problem right like don't come at me with problems come at me with a problem and three solutions like Mm -hmm. people in the civilian world don't do that so like the military has taught us a bunch of skills that'll make us successful no matter where you go and then in terms of where you go i mean shoot you've served your country now go do something fun (laughs) go do something that you love or you enjoy like follow your dreams follow your passions or if your passion is I want to work an easy nine to five so I can come home and then spend all my time with my family. Do that. Like, just be happy. Work towards happiness. Word. All right. Any any shout outs? Um, shout outs. I, I guess I already shouted out. Uh, oh, shout out to my husband. Um, was <laughs> I was also, waiting for that. Yep. Also that. a former captain, Freddie Johnson Jr. Um, shout out to... Uh, my parents, my mom and dad, and my stepmom, and my, my siblings who, yep, two are still in the military. Uh, that's uh, Sean and Asia. Uh, so keep doing it, keep serving. Um, and um, shout out to all the amazing commanders I've had. You know who you are. Yeah, a couple of people got named. So if you got named by name in this this uh, this episode, keep doing what you're doing. Yep, if you absolutely. got talked about and didn't get named, um, you probably left a little bit more to be desired. So yeah, stop being a jerk off. <laughs> stop being garbage. <laughs> yeah, like garbage. Garbage. Stop being garbage. <laughs> All right, let me All let right. you go. Get back to Hollywood. I know. I know. Tinseltown is calling. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. This is amazing. Um, it's really, thank really you. cool. And like, I mean, you got you got a voice and you got stuff to say, and yeah. people want to hear it. Amazingly, <laughs> <laughs> not amazingly. It's oh, just man. It, it's the calling. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Bye.